a Podcast One production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Thursday, the 18th of February. The man at the centre of rape allegations at Parliament House has admitted himself to hospital in Sydney. News Corp reports the former Liberal staffer who has not been charged is seeking psychiatric treatment. It comes as alleged victim Brittany Higgins releases a new statement slamming the Prime Minister's response to the crisis. Ms Higgins says she's only been made aware of key elements of her own alleged sexual assault after breaking her silence, including security guards letting her and the man into the Defence Minister's office and whether an ambulance should be called after the alleged attack. The 26-year-old says the constant victim-blaming rhetoric by Scott Morrison is personally very distressing to her and other countless survivors. The Prime Minister has launched three separate reviews, but former PM Malcolm Turnbull has told the ABC there is a serious problem in Canberra. There is a cultural problem in Parliament. I've, you know, I've described it at other times as reminding me of the corporate culture in the 1970s. It's completely out of step with modern Australia and contemporary standards. It's Freedom Day for millions of residents in Victoria after the state's five-day lockdown. The restrictions were lifted at midnight after the state yesterday recorded no new cases of coronavirus from nearly 40,000 swabs, and that's one of the biggest days of testing since the start of the pandemic. The lockdown has had a massive economic and social impact on the state, with some economists predicting the five-day closure will cost Victoria up to $1 billion. And Lifeline has also reported a significant increase in calls from Victorians seeking mental health support. Premier Daniel Andrews says despite the threat not being over, Victoria has been able to contain the outbreak and he says it's proof the short, sharp circuit breaker has worked. This is about often making very difficult choices. It's not easy. No one takes lightly the decision to close businesses and to disrupt people's lives. But when you're dealing with something that's changing and changing rapidly, when you're dealing with something that in many respects is new and different, when you have clear advice to take certain steps, then the only way that we can avoid a third wave, having so amazingly as a community defeated the second wave, is to follow the advice of the experts. It's what we've always done and it's what we always will do. Schools in Victoria will return to normal on-site learning today, while crowds will be back at the Australian Open in Melbourne with capacity capped at 50%. Some restrictions, though, will still remain in place, including masks to be worn in settings where people can't socially distance, while Victorians are only allowed five people at their homes. In breaking news this morning, Prince Philip has been taken to hospital in London. In a statement, Buckingham Palace says the 99-year-old has been feeling unwell and, on advice from his doctor, has been admitted as a precautionary measure. It's understood Prince Philip's health issues are not COVID-related, with the Duke of Edinburgh expected to remain in hospital for a few days. And in more breaking news this morning, Facebook has announced it will restrict Australians posting or sharing news links on its platforms. In a major breakdown with negotiations with the federal government over proposed media bargaining laws, 
Facebook will stop allowing news content on its services in Australia. It comes as Google has signed multi-million dollar deals with Australian media companies, including Channel 7, 9 and News Corp for its news content. And we'll have more details on this story coming up shortly in Business and Finance. Meantime, controversial conspiracy theorist and former television host Pete Evans has been banned from Instagram for repeatedly spreading COVID-19 misinformation. In a statement, the social media giant says he was removed for repeatedly sharing debunked claims about coronavirus or vaccines. The celebrity chef also had his Facebook account deleted last year. And celebrations for Dylan Alcott taking out the Oz Open quad wheelchair singles title for the seventh straight time. But there's been plenty of controversy with fans fired up over the late time of Dylan's big match with it not starting until after 11pm. While two big names, including our Ash Barty, have been sensationally knocked out of the Oz Open and we'll have more details and the latest reaction coming up shortly in sport. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Thursday morning. First to New South Wales and the Premier has revealed more details about the state's vaccine rollout program with thousands of frontline workers, the first to receive the Pfizer COVID vaccine from next week. The first phase is expected to take around three weeks and will be distributed at three major Sydney hospitals. Our reporter, Siobhan Caulfield, has more from Sydney. Yeah, that's right, Tash. More than 35,000 frontline workers will roll up their sleeves as the COVID vaccination effort in New South Wales gets underway from Monday. People who are exposed to the virus day in, day out while working in our state's hotel quarantine system will be the first to receive the Pfizer jab as it's administered to them over the next three weeks. And anti-vaxxers could end up getting replaced if they refuse the jab. Sydney Police Officer Lachlan Pritchard says he's excited to be part of the first round of jabs. There's no doubt that alongside my colleagues here from health and the police, we're the most at risk of of being transmitted through our contact with these overseas passengers. So the ability to have that is an extra reassurance for me that when I go into the community and to my family, um, that I'm protected. To Victoria, and with the state's rollout of COVID vaccines just days away also, the former Ford factory site in Geelong is being looked at as a potential vaccination hub. Our reporter, James Lake, is in Melbourne with the details. Thanks, Tash. Yeah, certainly not an easy task to herd millions together for vaccination in the middle of a pandemic. In the United States, some cities have been converting their sports stadiums into vaccination hubs. And in Melbourne, we're looking to industrial parks. The spotlight has been put on the former Ford factory at Geelong, which was used to make engines for its locally built cars. Health authorities have not confirmed specific details just yet, but say the state and federal governments are working together on the puzzle. The old factory in Geelong would be a prime location for targeting the region just to the west of Melbourne. In the first phase of the rollout, where priority is going to the frontline high-risk healthcare and quarantine workers, it's also just a very short distance away from the newly proposed Avalon quarantine site. And in Queensland, groundbreaking legislation is being mapped out to make coercive control a crime. Almost a year to the day since the tragic murders of Brisbane mother Hannah Clark and her three young children. Our reporter Amy Drew is in Brisbane. 
with more. Well, it was the horrific domestic violence incident that stopped the nation. 31-year-old Hannah and her kids, Aaliyah, Liana and Trey, ambushed by their estranged husband and father during the morning school run, who set their car alight before taking his own life. 12 months on and the Queensland Government has announced an independent task force is going to be established that will consult on coercive control legislation with the help of survivors, service providers, lawyers and the general community. Hannah's parents, Sue and Lloyd, have managed to channel their grief into a campaign for change. They've been working with friends to establish the Small Steps for Hannah Foundation in a bid to better educate people and notice the signs of non-physical abuse and controlling behaviour. Because we knew nothing about this. Um, it was a month or two after their deaths that someone said about coercive control. And I thought, what's coercive control? And then we started learning back on, well, oh, this is the problem. This repeat behaviour of abuse. They just think it's natural, but it's not. The task force will present legislation to the Premier in October before being put to Parliament early next year. Now the latest in business and finance news this morning, we are joined by Peter Switzer from switzerreport.com.au. Peter, the mining super cycle continues, which is great news for shareholders. Sure is, Tash. Experts on the mining exports we sell overseas say we are heading for a super cycle that could see shareholders pocket huge dividends, with the AFR telling us record payouts from big mining companies such as BHP, Rio and Fortescue are coming. Investment house UBS speculates that BHP alone could deliver $76 billion worth of dividends between now and the end of 2023-24. And this looks like good news for shareholders and the miners' share prices. And the Morrison government, uh, Peter, picked a big fight with Google and media companies are the winners. Lots of media companies signing deals over the last couple of days and hopefully all of that money will head back into supporting journalism. Yeah, that's for sure. Treasurer Frydenberg called this deal with Google an historic moment and a world first, with the digital giants such as Google being forced to enter into negotiations and agreements with Australian news media businesses for original content. The Treasurer says... None of these deals would be happening if we didn't have the legislation before Australia's Parliament. Nine Entertainment that owns the Nine Network and Fairfax newspapers and more will be paid over $30 million in cash annually by Google for five years for the use of its content. This is a world first and other governments will be using this to pressure the digital giants to pay up for the content they use. We all love the $5 pizza. Do you like the $5 pizza, Peter? <laughs> yes, but I can't afford to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about pizza, get ready to see more Domino's pizza stores. Yep, the coronavirus and working from home have helped the pizza business with Domino's net profit beating the $100 million mark for the first time in the second half of 2020. That was a 41% rise in profit as the pandemic drove strong demand for home-delivered pizzas. The company's shares have risen 78% over the last 12 months to more than $100, and its CEO, Don May, now plans to open 260 new stores this year, or five a week. That said, the Australian division of Domino's owns shops in Japan and Europe as well as here, but still fatter Aussies look highly likely in 2021. Wow. I guess lots of people love the $5 pizzas then, Peter. <laughs> they certainly do. Have a great day. Same to you. Time to sport now.
with Brett Thomas. And Brett, the Barty party is over with Ash, of course, knocked out of the Oz Open. But despite all the controversy, gosh, she is classy. She is very classy. And as you said, controversy yesterday in her quarterfinal against Carolina Muhova, uh, the Czech 25th seed, was down a set. She lost the first set 6-1. And we thought Ash is just going to steamroll her way into the semifinals for the second year in a row. Of course, we haven't had an Aussie woman in the uh, in the final for the best part of four decades now. Then she was up a break in the second set, and that's when the tide changed. Her opponent decided to take a medical timeout. She was off court for almost half an hour. She came back, and what a dramatic difference that was. Was a completely different player. Reeled off 11 of the next 14 games to win in three sets. She goes through to the semifinals of a slam for the first time and actually admitted in her on-court interview that she um, wasn't actually injured, that her head was spinning, and so it was basically a momentum break. Now, it is within the rules to take a medical timeout. Obviously, wasn't... Um, the greatest sort of sportsmanlike behaviour. But let's hear from Ash Barty. As you said, she was classy in her response. That's not really my decision and not my concern of what she took the medical for. Um, obviously, there are rules when we go off the court for whatever areas are getting treated because that's 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 quite normal. Um, but, yeah, that's that's not really my decision to make on whether uh, or what her medical condition was or, or what, the, what the timeout was for. Happens all the time. I don't know what you can do about it, how you can prove that someone isn't injured, but we actually did have an admission from Carolina on court, but uh, Ash there, very classy uh, after going out in three sets in the quarterfinal yesterday. And how refreshing not to see someone have a tantrum about it. She's just so fantastic. And a comeback for the ages on centre court last night, Brett. Yes, it was Stefanos Tsitsipas, uh, the Greek tennis star, the fifth seed at this tournament against Rafael Nadal, who's been here so many times before. He's won 20 grand slams and was bidding for his second Australian Open, looking good, up two sets to love. Only once previously in his career had he lost from that scenario. Well, that is what happened last night. Tsitsipas dramatically turned the tables, won an epic five-setter, lasting close to four hours. And here he is uh, afterwards explaining how he pulled off that epic comeback. I'm speechless. I have um, no words to describe what just happened out on the court. I started very nervous, I won't lie. But um, I don't know what happened after the third set. I just, uh, I fly like a little bird. Flying like a bird there on Channel 9. Now, in a lesson in how to handle a loss and in humility, uh, Rafa made no excuses after that defeat. Well done for him. He played better than me in the, probably in the, in the important moments. It was an equal match. I tried my best in every single moment, probably with the right attitude. Uh, no complaining uh, at all in no one moment, even in the toughest moments. So no excuses, no feigning injuries. Uh, Rafa, always classy. And Brett, talking about champions, what an absolute stellar display from Dylan Alcott. Yeah, it was last night uh, on Rod Laver Arena again, taking out the quad wheelchair singles title at the Aussie Open for the seventh time, if you don't mind. Too strong for Dutchman uh, Sam Schroeder winning 6-1, 6-love. Now, he had lost to that same opponent at the US Open, so it looks like a walkover, but an opponent he had uh, had some trouble with in the past. So congratulations to Dylan Alcott this morning, uh, one of the early champions there at the Aussie Open. And we'll have crowds back to 50%. They can move around the precinct. They had divided that into three zones, but now they're free to move around because we've only got two courts in action today. And Brett, a long road ahead for Collingwood, but uh, the club's taken an important step forward to address racism. 
Yeah, that's right. Of course, the Do Better report, which was an externally commissioned report from Collingwood that found that systemic racism does exist. We know the fallout to that cost Eddie Maguire his job as president. He decided to quit. His response to that, of course, was a bit underwhelming. Well, now they've taken a big step, as you said, 18 recommendations. One of those, they've formed an anti-racism advisory group to develop a framework for change at the Magpies. Tanya Hosh is the AFL's general manager for social policy. She will lead that group along with a former player at the Magpies and the Kangaroos and an Indigenous player in Daniel Wells. So a big step taken there by the Pies. Great to see. Brett, thank you. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country now this Thursday morning and the showers set to continue across many parts of the country today, especially along the east coast. Shower or two, as expected for Brisbane, 28. Shower or two also for Sydney, 27. Sunny today for Melbourne, top of tw- 31 degrees rather. Possible shower, 24 for Canberra. Sunny and 29 for Hobart. Very hot and sunny today. Gosh, a warm one on the way. 38 for Adelaide. Partly cloudy and 24 for Perth and a shower or two for Darwin with a top of 31. And Meghan Markle's estranged family has broken its silence after news the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are expecting their second child. Meghan and Harry will sit down next month with talk show queen Oprah Winfrey in a 90-minute special in their first television interview since stepping down as senior royals last year. The couple is expected to discuss their move to the United States as well as their expanding family. Dad Thomas Markle has told the son he hopes one day to meet his grandchildren. I wish uh, wish Megan and Harry a uh, successful, healthy, uh, healthy birth, and uh, and I hope someday I get to see my grandchildren. They're all royal grandchildren. While Meghan's half-sister Samantha Markle, who has just released a new book, has told Channel 7 she hopes Meghan reveals the whole truth in the upcoming interview. Coming from someone who has been very public rather than private, and she's been very telling of royal life, um, I don't think she should, you know, claim any copyright or full license to our lives as a family when... She's doing the same thing to the royals. You know, you have a life, you speak about it. We have a life, we speak about it. And I think in all fairness, Oprah, as a respectable journalist, should, you know, if matters of family come up, maybe she should interview my father so that people get the fully informed back on the table and and the bigger picture. Certainly will be an interesting interview. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. Please rate and review and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.